appreciate you guys. Hey, let's, let's open in prayer. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for a prophetic word that you spoke through a young man this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have, God, to come and hear from you this morning. And we ask that as we hear from you, I pray you'd give us courageous faith to step out of what's comfortable and to do what you're asking us to do. Each of us, God, every student, every staff member, every faculty, myself, God, help us to hear from heaven this morning and help us to continue to follow you everywhere you lead us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Well, my name is Brent Silkey. I've got a picture of my family I would love to show you this morning. We serve as missionaries to the next generation at the University of St. Thomas. And we're in a ministry called Chi Alpha. And if you're not familiar with Chi Alpha, Chi Alpha exists on about 280-some universities around the United States of America. And we exist so that college students can find Jesus and follow him for a lifetime. That's what we're all about. And so our family gets to serve, yeah, we get to, that, I wanted to introduce my family to you. My wife, Elizabeth, is a 2007 graduate from, from this place, from North Central University. She was a psych major who went on to the University of St. Thomas to become a counselor, and she got her master's at St. Thomas. But we are NCU Rams to death. I mean, we love NCU. And uh, we, we actually met at Larry Bach's house, for those who knew Larry Bach, and uh, we were youth leading together, and the day that I came to that small group as a youth leader, she taught something that night. It was the first day I met her. She taught something out of the Word of God. I remember sitting across Larry Bach's fire pit, hearing her teach the Word of God, and I went home that day, and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I just met the girl I want to marry. <laughs> I just met the girl I want to marry. She goes, oh, it sounds like it was a good night. And so it was a great night, and uh, we have four beautiful children. Our oldest, Belle, is actually in sixth grade giving a presentation this morning at her homeschool co-op about nautical bowls. A very proud father. And uh, we have Clara Jean, who is in my lap there. We have Hank the Tank way on the right. He's giving a presentation this morning at his homeschool co-op on the Mosasaurus. And uh, he loves dinosaurs. There's always roaring in our home. And then Josiah is here uh, in my wife's lap, and actually tomorrow's chapel speaker, Josiah Keneally and Micah Keneally, uh, dear friends of ours. Uh, we actually named our youngest after Josiah, who will be here tomorrow, so you do not want to miss chapel tomorrow. And so we serve Chi Alpha. We have a picture of our Chi Alpha from our Christmas party. I want to show you at the University of St. Thomas. We have our, our Tommies here, Roll Toms. And we also serve, as Lindsay mentioned, a ministry called 30 for Freedom that exists to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. And this morning, as we have the chance to look at God's word. I just want to let you know, sometimes when you're preparing a message, for those of you who are ministry majors, pastoral majors, youth ministry majors, kids ministry majors, whatever you might be studying, sometimes God gives you a word. And you're like, okay, you can't get to a, a computer or a, your notebook fast enough to write it down. And sometimes it's just like you're, you're just going through the word and God just says, okay, this is the text for today. What happened at, in preparation for chapel this morning was actually God gave me a question. So I want to ask you this question throughout the message today, but the question is this, what is God asking of you? And some of you, when I ask you that question, you're like, oh man, I already know, shoot, I already know, he's been, he's been speaking this over my life for like weeks or months or maybe even years, and you already know the answer to that question. If you don't know the answer to that question, perhaps this morning you would hear from heaven and God would speak something to you to, to put that faith into action, to stop doing that sin pattern that continues to trip you up. What, I don't know what it is in your life, but I want to share this morning from his word. I want to share some testimonies of what, happened, what it looks like when we hear from God, what is he asking us to do, and we take action. Have you ever had a dream? 
Have you ever had a dream that was so vivid, that was so real, that you woke up and you're like, whoa, that, did that just watch a movie in my mind? Like, for real? So this girl, Amanda, has this dream, and it's so vivid. And in this dream, I just want to give you this picture here, her friend Kate is standing wearing all black. Kate is not following Jesus. On this, on this side, Tyler is in this, in, this, in this dream wearing, like, red buffalo plaid. You guys know what I'm talking about. And then Amanda is standing here, and they're putting their hand on Kate's back, praying for Kate as she is crying, coming to Christ. Kate was not following Jesus, so Amanda wakes up. She writes it down in her journal. What is God asking of you? She writes it down in her journal. She's like, okay, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Tyler. Tyler, these two girls had just became believers. Tyler, I had, a, I had a vivid dream that Kate was coming to Christ, and we were there. Would you pray with me that she would come to know Jesus? So for three years... They prayed for Kate. For three years, Amanda and Tyler, and just for the sake of this story, just so you know, Tyler's a girl. And so Tyler's in this, in this story, and they're praying. And so I don't know any of this context or back, backstory. One night, these three young ladies walk into Chi Alpha at St. Thomas. And at the end of the message, every single week, we ask two questions. The first question changes week to week, depending on the message. And that night, I specifically remember asking this question. If you're, in a, if you're here tonight and you're in a room full of people, but yet you feel all alone, I ask them to raise their hand. And so in the back, Kate is there wearing black, and she raises her hand like this and immediately goes into her purse. Amanda is watching this prayerful friend from three years praying and praying and praying, watching as Kate goes into her purse. She's like, no, don't get your phone out right now. He's going to ask about Jesus. But she wasn't reaching for her phone. She was reaching for tissues because tears began to just fall down her face. And then the second question I asked that night was, if you're in this room and you need to get your life right with God, and you need to surrender your life to Jesus, and you need to ask him to forgive your sins and become your Lord and your Savior, and I asked him to raise her hand, and this is what she did. With tears coming down her face, she went like this, and then like this, and then like this. And as Tyler came behind her wearing red buffalo plaid she prayed for her and Amanda came on this side and prayed for her it was the fulfillment of the exact scene that God had given her three years earlier in a dream Amanda came to Jesus what is God asking you to do and if we look today at our scripture passage in Acts chapter 8 we see a really specific thing that happens in Philip's life Acts chapter 8 verse 26 now an angel of the Lord said to Philip go south to the road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Students, if God asks you today specifically to go to Nicolet, Nicolet Mall, he asks you like, hey, go downtown, make your way down, making your way downtown. If you went downtown today, like what would happen? Would you actually say, okay, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to go right now. Because I don't know how good our reflexes are when it comes to God speaking to us, right? He said, the angel said, go down to this specific place. So he goes. He started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official of the queen. And all of a sudden, you have this Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot trying to understand what the prophet Isaiah is saying. And here comes Philip. <laughs> and he's like, hey, do you know what you're reading? He's like, how can I understand unless someone teaches me? And he's like, well, come on up. And they have a spiritually significant conversation, so significant that Philip has an opportunity to this leader to explain the gospel on the way of Jesus. He gets saved in the chariot, 
And he's so fired up about this. He's like, hey, here's some water. What would stop me from getting baptized right now? And Philip baptizes him right now. What is God, what was God asking of you to do? What is he asking of you? Because sometimes it's, it's salvation that's on the line. Sometimes it's eternity that hangs in the balance of our obedience. My greatest fears growing up was public speaking. I realized how bad it was when we went to a drive-thru. We were, I grew up in Burnsville, Minnesota. We went to the Burnsville Dairy Queen, and my dad looks behind, the, behind where I was sitting, and he goes, all right, Brent, you can order whatever you want. And I couldn't even speak into the, mic, into the thing to order. That's how afraid of public speaking. You're like, that's not even public speaking. That's just like person-to-person speaking <laughs> through a speaker. That's how bad it was. That was my greatest fear. But here's the thing. I had friends that prayed for me from the eighth grade until freshman year of college, Micah Mack and Chris Roush. They prayed for me every day to come to know Jesus. And I finally came to Christ as a freshman in college. And I wanted everyone to know this love that I had found. I wanted everyone to know. I would literally go to the church wall. I confess this to, our, to Diane Kelly at Cedar Valley Church. She's the head of communications. I would go over to the bulletin board wall where we had like little stacks of business cards and I would take a stack of blank business cards from my church and I would write my name and phone number on the back and carry them with me in my wallet. And when I would meet somebody new, I'd say, hey, what are you doing on Wednesday? I would love for you to come to church. I would love for you to hear about this amazing message. And I'd say, here's my card. (laughs) And it said Cedar Valley Church, 8600 Bloomington Avenue South. And on the back is my number. I'm like, if you need a ride, I'll give you a ride. And everywhere I went, I just invited people to come to church, hear this message. Man, it's gonna change your life. And after a year of doing that, I felt like I was supposed to be a pastor. I felt like God was calling me into ministry, but I was like, but Lord, I can't do the speaking thing. It's too scary. It's too terrifying. But what is God asking of you? And I went on a mission trip. And right before we went on this mission trip, four days before we went on the trip, all I'm supposed to do is carry the speaker, not like the human, but like the actual speakers into the school assembly and set it up and just be there to be a support to the team. And right before we left, my youth pastor, Ryan Skoog, he goes, hey, is anyone here adopted? And I was like, it's in Minnesota. There's tons of adoptees in Minnesota. And I looked around. I was the only one. He goes, Brent, perfect. The missionary, John Dolliger, wants you to share your testimony. I was like, what, what? I, I already paid for this trip. Like, I'm, I'm going to carry the things. He's like, no, no. He wants you to share your testimony at the school assemblies. I'm like, school assemblies? Yeah, yeah, thousands of students will hear your testimony. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But that night, he said, hey, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we want to pray for you. I was just like a month into dating my, my soon-to-be wife. I texted her. I was like, hey, I'm supposed to like speak in front of thousands of people through a translator. This is my worst nightmare. And they're talking about like praying in the Spirit or something like that. I don't know what that is, but I, I need that. <laughs> so we went out to the fire pit. This is a true story. Lakeville, Minnesota. The sun was just setting. It was absolutely beautiful across the water. Mosquitoes were everywhere, though. That was the problem. And we sat there at the fire pit, Dave Skane, Micah Mack, Ryan Skoog, and they laid hands on me, and they prayed for me, and I was baptized in the Spirit that night. And I felt like, okay, Lord, if you're going to empower me, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? You will receive power to testify, to be a witness. And so I got to go and share the story of how I went from being an orphan to being an adopted son in the Silky Home. And I went from being a spiritual orphan to being an adopted kid in God's family to thousands of students in Costa Rica. But my question to you today is, what is God asking of you? Specifically in your life, in your walk, in your journey with Jesus, what is he asking you to do? 
I don't love sharing this, but I need to share this today. Because when I was 11 years old, we were biking around. This is, this is the time before cell phones. This is the time of like dial-up internet, y'all, okay? This is a long time ago. We were biking around the neighborhood, and my friend, Dan, had an older brother, and the parents were never home at this house. And the older brother was really excited to show us something. So we went into this house where there's no parents home, there's an older brother, and for the first time in my life as a kid, 11-year-old kid, if you guys, if you've seen the movie Up, I was Russell, right? If you imagine Russell, like, biking around the neighborhood, like, bro, and all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I see images on a screen that should never be seen. And it messed with my little, formerly pure-hearted 11-year-old self. And for the next seven years, I battled an addiction with pornography. I, I battled that hard. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever be free. Then I got saved. And then I knew that I knew that I knew that it was, I already knew it was wrong. But when I got saved, I really knew. I felt the conviction of the spirit in a new way. And one day God spoke to my heart so clearly. He said, Brent, you have to leave this behind. You have to leave this behind. This is not for you. But what is God asking of you? And he said this to me. It was the craziest thing. I'm a new believer. I'm like a year into my faith. I'm like, all right, Lord. Um, and he said, I will show you something on a specific day on the calendar. And I was like, I didn't know that. I mean, I never had, I had no context of like, this is how things are, sometimes work with God. But I remember with God's grace and by his, by his grace and by his help, I was set free from that addiction as a 19-year-old kid. And here's the thing. On that day, I woke up and I was like, oh man, this is the day that God spoke to me. And it was a Sunday, so I went to church. And after church, we had a picnic. And I had two, I remember vividly, I had two plates of food in my hands. And I turned around, and in the field, right north of a Cedar Valley Church parking lot, there was a beam of sunlight coming down in a field. This sounds like a made-up story or a movie. This is what happened. And walking through this sunlight beam in the field was this girl named Eliza Millsaps. And I remember not knowing the fullness of the, what God was speaking to me that day. But a year and a half later, we would get married. It was my future wife. God was like, hey, this isn't a part of your life anymore. I have something far better for you. I have a, a, land, a, a way that you can be free. I have a life that is set apart in freedom in Christ. Right? And I can't imagine continuing to carry that addiction to pornography into marriage into being a dad, into being a pastor. What is God speaking to you? What is God asking of you today? Because I see the stats of what it says even for pastors. I see the stats of what it says for Christian people. That kind of stuff has no place in our lives. Maybe for you, it's a relationship you're in that's toxic. And God's saying, cut that off. Maybe it's someone that keeps texting you for pics and you're like, hey, I'm blocking that contact. I don't know what it is for you and I'm not trying to meddle too much, a little bit, but not too much. But what is God asking of you? Because he, he desires that you would be free, that you would live life to the fullest measure in Christ. So one day, we, uh, my family and I, we had um, paid down student loans, kind of, a, kind of a thing, situation. We had just purchased our first home. We had a three-year-old and a one-month-old. And this man walks into my office at church where I was youth pastoring. Micah Mack was the junior high pastor. I was the high school pastor. And tomorrow's speaker, Josiah Keneally, was the young adult pastor. Super fun season of life. <laughs> and I'm, I'm in the office. And this guy walks in, Mike Amiot, legend, legend, ministry, ministry legend. And he says this. He goes, hey, we've been praying for nine years 
that Chi Alpha Campus Ministries could come to the University of St. Thomas. We have zero private school Chi Alpha Ministries in the state of Minnesota. I was like, well, that sounds awesome. How can I help? He goes, we're wondering if you'd be the person to pioneer that ministry. And can I just be honest with you, North Central? I knew for sure that was not for me. We have a mortgage. This is not a good time to become a missionary. I have a three-year-old, I have a one-month-old, and I have a mortgage. This is not a good time to like say, hey, let's, work, let's become missionaries. So here's what happened. Micah Mack preached that night, and he said, do not leave this room until you've heard from God. I was like, I've never heard Micah say that before or since. I got on my face in the very back of the room, and God gave me a vivid image with a Bible like this open in my hand and students around me at St. Thomas on campus. And God was asking our family to trust him that we would become missionaries. And can I just say this? Somebody asked me this recently. They're like, hey, how are things going at St. Thomas? In the last 18 or 19 years of serving the next generation, last semester was my favorite season of ministry of my life. God is faithful. He is working. We prayed with 40 students to give their lives to Christ last semester. We gave out 70 Bibles to students because we want to equip students with the word of God so that they can know how to live and they can know how to walk in this life. What is God asking of you? My final testimony that I'll share this morning happened at a Perkins bakery. Praise God. I was there with a student who graduated from our youth ministry at Cedar Valley named Yoel Oliva. His grandpa, Tony Oliva, just became a Hall of Famer in the uh, Major League Baseball. And Yoel was home on leave from the Marine Corps for a Christmas break. And we were at Perkins, and he says, hey, Brent, what's new? I said, bro, I turned 30 in five months. He's like, man, you're getting up there. I was like, I know, I feel it. I said, I feel like God has given me a, a dream and a passion and a vision to run 30 miles on my 30th birthday, to invite 30 friends to come and run with me so we can raise $30,000 to rescue people out of the nightmare and the darkness of sex trafficking because every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim. And Yoel reaches in his pocket, slides across the table a $100 bill, and he says, I hear briefings in the military about trafficking everywhere. We have to do something to end it. And he slides the money across the table. That day, that morning, after that breakfast, I went to my freezing cold Toyota Camry. I was sitting there in the parking lot of that Perkins, and I texted Pastor Mark Dean. And I said, Pastor Mark, who was district youth director at the time, I said, is there any way we can team up to help raise funds to rescue people out of human trafficking through Speed of Light? He goes, absolutely. I sent a message to Paul Herkman that morning. I said, Paul, venture, you do this. You help people make their miles matter. This is my dream. This is my vision. Is there any way we can work together and make our miles matter to rescue people? He goes, absolutely. So on my 30th birthday, I think we have a picture. We had 123 people that showed up to run. 48 ran 30 miles. Crazy. It was so long. <laughs> then we had 75 people that ran a 5K for freedom. And the faithfulness of God can be seen in this way. $81,346 was raised. Let me, just, let me just testify for a minute because I recognize the time. Over the last eight and a half years, we've seen God bring in, we're like $1,400 away from the $2 million mark. And we give it all away to anti-trafficking organizations. What is God asking of you? What is he asking today? Here's, here's, here's how I envision this, this service coming to a close. I think that there's something that powerful that takes place when we move from a position of being seated and we change our posture 
to hearing from heaven. I understand the time. I know you all have to leave in just a few minutes, but I'm asking if you're able, would you join me right now on your knees before the Lord, wherever you're at? You can come forward. You can be in your seats for those who are able. And I want to pray that we would be the kind of people who would hear from God, what is God asking of us, and that we would have the faith and the boldness and the conviction to actually go and to live out whatever he says. Because for Amanda, it was salvation on the line for her friend Kate. For Philip, it was the Ethiopian eunuch coming to know Jesus and potentially the people he led coming to Jesus. For people at St. Thomas, it was this crazy thing called Chi Alpha that showed up on campus to share the love of Christ. For people who've been rescued out of trafficking the last eight and a half years, it starts with us hearing from heaven and then having the conviction to step out. So Jesus, we come before you as North Central University, as the body of Christ, as your sons and as your daughters, faculty, staff, students, and guests. And God, we pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I pray, Lord, for the young person in this room that you're calling them to start something, to do something, to enact something that you have put in their heart. I pray they would have the courage to step out in faith and trust you in that. For the young person in the room, God, that has been battling a secret sin pattern or or some kind of thing that's toxic, that's trying to pollute their life and their future, I pray in the name of Jesus that it would break this morning right now in in your name and they would leave that life of sin. They would go and sin no more. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear from you this morning and that we would be the kind of people that, Lord, we would just say every day, God, what is it you're asking of me? Help me to follow you in obedience. So, God, we give you this time, this response, and we say, have your way. In Jesus' name.